Hey, good morning. It's an honor to be in your presence this morning and to be with you. I just thought of something as a pastor for many years. It means so much when you're away from home on Sunday and you know people are praying for you. Because the guilt comes in that, should I have really done this? And should I be there? And But God refreshes the pastor when he goes away. And he refreshes you, too, that he's gone. So take it as a good thing, all right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not much for people standing up, but could we have all the moms stand up? Moms, grandmas, grandmas, you couldn't be any of those without being a mom. God bless you, ladies. Um, who, has, uh, who has the most children? Anybody have more than five? Ladies? One? One? There's the one. You have more than six? Seven? Eight? How many? Oh, my wife Sandy always said, you're not a mother or a parent until you're outnumbered. She has a lot of wisdom, and that's one of them. Um, I honor her today because she is a phenomenal mother. Um, moms, we all have one, right? We have that in common. Some of them we butted heads with. I'm sure none of you in this room ever did. Um, we always obeyed them. I was raised by a single mom, so I, I know the pressures of being a mom just by watching her really work hard. She was very proud. She wouldn't take any government assistance. But I think at her peak when I was a sophomore in high school, she was making 50 bucks a week. So we learned how to pinch the penny so Abe Lincoln's eyes would cross and how to stretch the dollar so George's head would spin around. And, uh, you know, after I entered into the ministry, I was able to look at things completely differently in life. And one of them was any um, grudges or disappointments I could have had blaming my mother for. But um, it was a joy that she came to the Lord at 60 years old, and the odds were totally against her. She was raised by a single mom. Her dad died when she was four. He was a minister. And uh, she didn't want to be a Christian girl when she became a teenager. And I think she left home at 17. And uh, my grandma was a very strong Christian and uh, a tremendous gifted intercessory prayer person. In fact, uh, a lady I was preaching back in the 70s in Palm Springs, she came up to me, and I was probably 32 or 30, somewhere around there. She was in her 80s, and she said, are you from Portland, Oregon? And I said, yes, I am. Did you have a grandmother that lived by the University of Oregon in Eugene? And I said, yes, I do. He said, Ella, my grandmother, was one of my best friends. We went to church together. And um, I said, that's wonderful, and said, I went every Wednesday to her house. She had a women's prayer meeting to pray for the pastor and for the University of Oregon and everything going on in Eugene. And your grandmother could pray the shingles off of a house. I could just see him going. So we leave a heritage. And many times, even when we're older, we still uh, misunderstand what our mind tells us was history. And I'd like you to just be free to let all that go today, because there are no perfect moms, there are no perfect dads, but yet when we are wanting something that doesn't come out that way, we can hold uh, bitterness or anger, uh, and they're just people, and they're our mom. And so um, I'd like you to turn with me this morning to uh, the book of Genesis where mom started, and uh, where she came, chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. Um, let's look at verse uh, 9. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. Chuck Smith used to say that that where are you from God wasn't the voice of an arresting police officer. It was the voice of a broken-hearted father. Where are you? And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? 
The woman said, uh, the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? Now he knows these are rhetorical questions in a way. He wants to make sure we know what it is we've done. The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And in the last times, Jesus, Matthew 24, said, Let no man deceive you. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed, the devil, and her seed, the woman, and the children she'd bear. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And, of course, we can see the picture of Jesus being introduced to us here. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, your childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Uh, Your desire shall be for your husband, not for somebody else, and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you've eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil and labor, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust You are, and to dust you shall return. So it's not ashes to ashes and dust to dust, it's dust. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. You know, it raises an interesting thought. Adam named woman. God didn't. And it's interesting that there was already an existing vocabulary even though he was alone. And God gave him the right to name all the animals. So we know this vocabulary is pretty broad when you stop and think of it and you go from A to Z, from aardvark to zebra. He thought out all those names. And he is creative. Can you imagine coming up with duck-billed platypus? I mean, he came up with that name. So I think it's interesting that Adam named his wife Eve And the reason being is because she was the mother of all living. And, of course, the book of Acts tells us that we all flesh comes from one blood. So we can go back all the way to Eve as the first mother and see that God was always working. And there's new vocabulary probably that came when sin came. But it is interesting. There are some changes. to What makes you a mother is that you had a child either adopted or your birth child. Uh, either way, you're a mother. It doesn't make you inferior or less of a mother because you couldn't have babies or your husband couldn't and you adopted. A mother is a mother, and we all need them. And we need them to know God because we know nothing about God. And just as Charlie was saying those things about next Sunday, uh, it's it's wicked. It's perversion that the state of California is trying to put on all kids. And Christian parents cannot excuse their children from this new law. So this is a direct hit against mothers and fathers. The authority you have really doesn't mean anything to the people that are in charge. So you may want to stand while you can still stand. So there's changes a mom goes through, right, ladies? You all went through changes, physical, mental, emotional, when you had babies. I'm very sensitive that not all of us do well as a parent. And so don't feel anything I say is to put you down or think that you're inferior in any way. I'm sensitive not everybody had a good family. And uh, that isn't the point of what I'm trying to make, that you have a great family in God and all the great people that are sitting around you. So if you feel like a failure as a mother, you're not the only one which is wonderful. We're all failures in some way, shape, or form. So this is to exhort you, to encourage you, to uplift you, to do what the Bible says, to honor you as being a mother. And here's some of the changes. There's three that I found. Uh, 
that are interesting. Number one, your clothes change when you become a mother. At your first, first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your OBGYN confirms your pregnancy. The second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. The third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. <laughs> and the more children, the more we understand, and, and, but yet at the same time, we get a little relaxed. The baby's name, choosing your, your first baby, you pour over baby name books and practice pronouncing and writing combinations of all of your favorites. After your second baby, someone has to name his or her after your great-aunt Mavis, right? It might as well be you. The third baby, you open a name book, close your eyes, and see where your finger points. (laughs) And getting ready for birth, I remember with our first daughter, who is with us this past week, and it's a joy to be with her. Your first baby, you practice your breathing um, religiously. Then you have your second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember the last time breathing didn't do anything. Your third baby, you ask for an epidural in your eighth month. (laughs) All right, so here's the test. There is a test, and um, I have probably over-educated, but um, I like it when I find somebody that is an educator that is you know, not puffed up in their education, but this is actually by a psychologist, and he has a specialty. And uh, he, his name is Stephen N. Uh, uh, Sutinoff. He's a Ph.D., and his expertise is mirthologist and clinical psychologist. He sees that happiness, like the Bible says, that laughter is a medicine to our bones, goes all the way to our moral. So I thought this is kind of interesting. This guy came up with one, two, three, four, about six... Uh, things that you can take as a test to see if you're truly a mom. You want to hear that? Okay, because you've all passed, I'm sure. But the first one is the mess test. Can you handle mess in the house? And what you do is you smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains. You place a fish stick behind the couch and leave it there all summer. There's a toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon drum of Legos. If Legos are not available, you may substitute roofing tacks. Have a friend spread them all over your house, put on a blindfold, and try to walk to the bathroom or the kitchen. Do not scream. This could wake a child at night. (laughs) Grocery store test. Borrow one or two small animals. Goats are best. Take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage. If you can get through that, you can do it with kids. The dressing test. Obtain one large, unhappy, live octopus. They turn bright red when they are unhappy. Stuff it into a small net bag, making sure that all arms stay inside. Can't do it. The feeding test. Obtain a large plastic milk jug. Fill halfway with water. Suspend from the ceiling with a stout cord. Start the jug swinging. Try to insert spoonfuls of soggy cereal, such as Fruit Loops or Cheerios, into the mouth of the jug while pretending to be an airplane. Now dump the contents of the jug on the floor. The night test. Moms, you all pass this. Prepare by obtaining a small cloth bag and fill it with 8 to 12 pounds of sand. Soak it thoroughly in water. At 8 p.m., begin to waltz and hum with the bag until 9 p.m. Lay down your bag and set your alarm for 10 p.m. Get up, pick up your bag, sing every song you have ever heard. Make up about a dozen more and sing these, too, until 4 a.m. Set the alarm for 5 a.m. Get up, make breakfast, keep this up for five years, and look cheerful. Okay. There's two last ones here. The physical test. Can you make it as a mom? And moms have to be strong and physical. Obtain a large beanbag chair, attach it to the front of your clothes, leave it there for nine months, and now remove ten of the beans. (laughs) Final assignment to pass the test in being a mother. Find a couple who already have a small child. 
lecture them on how they can improve their discipline, their patience, their tolerance, toilet training, and child's table manners, suggest many ways they can improve, emphasize to them that they should never allow their children to run wild. Enjoy this experience. It'll be the last time you'll ever have all the answers. <laughs> so we know it's not easy being a mom, don't we all? But the rewards of seeing the kids grow up, hopefully, and uh, become somebody. I think it's great that God allowed her husband to call her Eve, mother of all living. He saw that about her. Um, honor, the Bible says. And so we'd like to look at that, and then we shall move along. Exodus chapter 20, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 20, of course, this is the uh, portion of Scripture that gives us the Ten Commandments. Not the Ten Suggestions, but Ten Commandments. And I think after reading your Bible a while and walking with the Lord, you realize these are not what the non-believer would say, what a mean God, can't do this, can't do that. No, he's not saying that. He's just saying there's ten things I just want to tell you about that are commandments, because if you follow his words, you're going to have a blessed life. He's, he's actually warning us. If we live something other than these ten, we're going to be very carnal, very worldly. So um, take a look here, if you would, for just a moment. Um, he tells them, he spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God, the one that brought you out of Egypt in the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness. Um, you shall not take the name of the Lord, verse 7, your God in vain. And verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the first four commandments are about your relationship with your heavenly Father, with God. That's what they're about. Now, the final six are your relationship with people, which tells us six to four, it's harder to get along with people than it is to get along with God. And uh, he, he shows us something here I think that's unique. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle— Everybody gets a break. Nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He rested the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Honor to the mother. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness or lie about your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. It's interesting, out of these ten commandments that we have, God put mother at number five right in between. Honor your father and your mother, which almost looks like a span or a bridge getting from one side to the other, a span or a bridge between God and mankind. It starts with honoring your father and your mother, that he positioned that in such a place that the mother and the father have the responsibility and the great joy to draw their children to God. And even if they don't do a good job at that, it doesn't say if your mother is the best in all the land, you're to honor No, you honor your mother through all things. That's very important for us to see. Now look, that was the fifth. What's the sixth commandment? Right after he says, honor mom, thou shalt not commit murder. And isn't it interesting, the first mother was the mother of a murderer and the mother of the son that was murdered. The first one, you shall not murder. Eve understood the agony and the pain side of being a mother. And yet, she goes on and 
Of course, they have a baby, name him Seth, and that's when men begin, came uh, to call upon the Lord after Seth and his son was born. Mother has such a strategic place in God's plan for all of humanity. You can travel the world, you can be in the jungles, you can be out in the middle of a desert, you can, with no magic, be anywhere and not even speak the language or know the culture, but you'll see that mothers are mothers everywhere and that they love their children just like somebody in our country. Mother is an honor from God, and he's saying you should honor your mother and father. And then it's like a good professor telling us why we should study this, because it's going to be on the test, because it will give you longevity, a good, healthy life in the land that you're going into that God is going to give you. Otherwise, the mother becomes a place of blessing for the future, and the mother is going to influence those children. And it's such a rough job because the devil is going to do all he can to influence the children. And if the husband is weak spiritually, the devil has a field day with broken-hearted mommies because dad's sort of oblivious and doesn't pay attention to the kids. Mom does it all. And how sad that is. You shall not commit murder for one commandment after another. We look and see in the middle is honor to the husband and the wife, but to their role as father and mother. Imagine the impact on the heart of Eve to have her two boys in such a situation. And God marked him. Cain sent him out to the land of Nod. And mankind nodded out from that time on. And every a government, city hall, county supervisors, military otherwise, was set up without God in mind. Because east of Eden was wickedness. And it's not that they were poor or lived in a ghetto like one of our top one or two two cities in America, like let's take Chicago, that at one point, over 940 murders, that's three a day basically, in the city of Chicago. To have five or 600, fairly normal, in the city of Chicago. No, they didn't live in a ghetto. They weren't deprived of extra cash or air conditioning or heating or new clothes. They were in utopia. They were living in the Garden of Eden. They had everything. And that shows that sin is at the top and the bottom of the feeding chain. And that's why I find it very hard to believe that we're going to get off this planet and go to Mars. Because why would we go to Mars when we can't even handle our own planet? It doesn't make sense. And what do they think is going to happen on those planets in long winters, in alcoholism, abuse of the medicine cabinet. What about that? Anger splitting out over a card game and one of the astronauts kills another astronaut. It's only going to repeat itself. And without mom being a good guide, I think that's a lot of points against us as a child growing up to be the adults we are today. But having a mother that honors God is going to be blessed by him to bless your life. And I am sure that in an audience this size, there are many mothers that have gone to heaven that we really don't know how much they sacrificed for us and just took the hits because they didn't want you to know how horrible your dad was or what the situation was. They've protected us from a lot. Honor your mother and your father. Reader's Digest had a uh, contest for people to write in about Mother's Day, and there are several very, very short stories um, that were cute, but also remind us about what it is to be a mother, but to be a child that looks back and honors, even into our old age. This was by uh, Beth, can't pronounce her last name, Kalamazoo Township in Michigan, where we have a church planted there. Coming home from work one day, 
I found my mom dancing to Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. That's the title of the song, if you remember it. I watched, enthralled, as she moved and sang along, her hips twisting to the beat, a big smile plastered on her face. It had been a long while since I'd seen her dance, so this display of pure joy was infectious. She died unexpectedly in her sleep just a few weeks later. I have many memories of her that I always cherish, but one quite, none quite as happy and carefree as her dance that day. It's definitely the simple things. Thanks, Robert Palmer. And so there are things that we can look back and we can cherish. This is from Andrea Cortinas from El Paso. Thirty-five years ago, moms make hard choices. Thirty-five years ago, when my mom was 22, she became a widow and a mother within the same month. That's interesting for a 22-year-old to handle. The life she had imagined was stolen in a heartbeat. She tried to move on, but she was lost. She gave me to my father's family to be raised in the United States. Obviously, probably came from Juarez. Some call her weak. Others call her selfish. I could be mad or bitter. Instead, I'm grateful for the life I have and to a mother who sacrificed our relationship to give me a chance at a better life. She is courageous. She's my mother. I mean, that hits home. I know my mom had to give up my youngest brother, three years younger than me. I didn't even know he was alive until just a few years ago. And she had to give up my older brother to my grandma and my one-year-apart brother to foster care. And I had a lot of bitterness when I was able to go back. But you know what? The story says it for a lot of us. Our mothers made a choice, really, for our good. There's no reason to hang on to bitterness, is there? We just don't know those moments that she struggled through the night or all day about letting us go somewhere that would be better than she should give, she could give. Katrina, uh, Katina Brown from West Monroe, uh, Louisiana, from the redneck guys back there in Monroe, um, the Robinson family. I was chosen to be your mama. You know, kids have so many questions. I was chosen to be your mama. I tell my four-year-old daughter, as my younger boys pull at my clothes, <laughs> the younger boys, and she's four, she looks at me tearfully and asks, quote, Why couldn't I grow in your tummy? Like my brothers. Well, I tell her, choking back my own tears, the doctor said I couldn't grow a baby in my tummy. So your daddy and I decided to adopt a baby, and that baby was you. I hold my breath. I wait for a more difficult question, and she says, Mama, can I have some ice cream? Yes, I say, thankful for her innocence. Memories. The day I was dreading had arrived. It was inevitable. I had seen it coming, but chose chosen to ignore it for as long as possible. My very capable, intelligent mom had start, started forgiving to pay her bills. It was time to take over her finances. And as I looked through her wallet, I made a remarkable discovery. Tucked away in a tiny compartment, were four Mother's Day poems that I had written for her in the 1960s in her wallet. She had saved and cherished those simple gifts for 50 years. What a surprise. That's another thing. Some moms aren't able to express how much they love you. It's just how they were. But... This reminds us that we really don't know what's hidden away in their heart, that they know how they really feel. This last one, my six-year-old son, Nicholas, sat in the grocery cart as I perused the canned vegetables. 
How about this one, Mommy? He asked, and he handed me a can of asparagus. I love asparagus, I told him. Asparagus is my favorite vegetable, but it's just too expensive. I put the can back on the shelf. Three months later, I opened a coolie wrapped present from under the Christmas tree. It was a can of asparagus. Nicholas beamed in delight as he explained how he had saved his pennies to buy me the best Christmas gift I'd ever receive. Those are the unspeakable things. Those are the real things that you and I have dealt with. It's not some, you know, litmus test that everything has to be perfect and everything has to be right. No, Adam started out and said, your name is Eve. You're the mother of all living. It's all going to start from you. God has a plan for us. And they both started from that perfect utopia, understanding the power of sin and how it separates them from God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. What a joy it must have been to have walked with him in the cool of the day, which seemed to be a normal phrase that God would show up probably before supper, just fellowship with him. And how much you and your family are missing if you don't walk with him. Now you know you're not the only mother that's not perfect. Eve, the mother of all living, was not perfect. There are no perfect people. Jesus said in this world you shall have persecution. Yes, by being a Jewish person, we know that never before has it been this, even Adolf Hitler days has it been this bad, especially in the United States. The hate crimes against Jews and anti-Semitic crimes last year rose a total of 60% around the world. 60%. And you know where, of all places, the highest of that 60% was? It was 25% in that country alone. And that was the United States of America turning against the Jewish people. Whom God told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you. And I will also curse those who curse you. We're almost as a people at a place that there's no reason for us to be around anymore as a nation. When we turn against his people, the wrath of God, the judgment will come. And yet this administration has done more than most, if not all, administrations towards God's children and God's people. So moms, you have a lot of roles. You know, I I think it started out as daughter, granddaughter. Then you became a sister. And then you became a girlfriend. And then you became a wife. And then you became a mother. You have a lot of titles and a lot of roles. You're a niece, a granddaughter. But this one is the one that says, honor your mother and your father. Honor them. You'll have long life. And here is a woman that watched her son murder her other son. And the heartache must have been so deep because she realized she's the one that bit into the fruit that Satan had lured her into. And her son, and this is where you can't second guess, what if? Don't live in the land of ifs and maybes. You'll get all tangled up there. What if? What if? But I'm sure she did. What if I had not? What if? What if I had urged Cain to love his brother? What if I had urged him to not be jealous that he had to get his living sacrifice from his brother? If I had... No. The past is the past. And St. Paul says, forgetting the things that are behind, we press towards that mark and that high calling that's found in Jesus Christ. We go forward. What ifs? Don't destroy your life with what ifs. You're not a perfect person. And imperfect people make imperfect decisions and say imperfect words and commit imperfect acts. Doesn't give us an excuse 
or a reason or the right to glorify our imperfection through sin. But it gives us the right to fall humbly before the throne of God and thank Him that He first loved us and that God is love. And that if we confess our sins, that God will be faithful and just to not only forgive us of our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, moms, you didn't do everything perfect, but you did what you could. Chuck Smith used to say, do your best and commit the rest. Boy, how many hundreds of times I've pulled on that one. You aren't perfect, so you're not going to do perfect or be perfect. But do your best and commit the rest to God and let him bless. Let him restore the years the canker worm or the locust has eaten. Let God's forgiveness, God's mercy that endures forever, be a huge part of your vocabulary that you now start speaking words of wisdom that have come from your relationship with God. It's never too late to say son, daughter, or kids, plural. Forgive me, I made some mistakes when you were teenagers. Never too late to say, I'm sorry. Never. And if God hears it, he knows. And that's what's so very important. That your relationship with God as mother permeates the home with love. Mothers teach their children in the home. And from that honored father and mother comes the power to not commit number six, seven, eight, nine, or ten. Honoring your mother is right smack dab in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Remember, Cain and Abel were not raised in a blighted community. They lived in the Garden of Eden. And as we know the scripture from Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, we realize that moms are sort of like that. They're everywhere. They know everything. We can't sneak around them. They can tell when we're lying or cheating or we've done something wrong. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And mom, what an honor to be a visible image to your younger children and even your older of Jesus and his word and his love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And many times instability in the home brings fear to the hearts of the boys and girls. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. They don't know if dad's going to come home drunk and slap them again and hit mom. So when mom has a relationship with God, she now bridges and helps those children come over to the spiritual side. And God will honor that. Think for a moment about Mary. Mary from Nazareth, a teenager. They were getting married I have a friend in San Diego. He's a Chaldean in their culture. I believe his mother got married at 12 or 13, uh, moved from Iraq and uh, live in San Diego. And he has 125 cousins, first cousins. So she was somewhere maybe 13, 14, we'll say 15, wouldn't be abnormal. She marries an older guy, apparently. He has a business. He's recognized as a carpenter. And yet Jesus was raised by this worldly man. And yet he was such a God-fearing man that when she sat down with him and said, now I got something to tell you, you're not going to like it, Joe. I'm pregnant. Now since she's a virgin, that caused a lot of confusion in mom's mind. And moms have all sorts of questions like, how could this be? I've never known a man. But guys, the first question that would have come to Joseph's mind is, Probably the first that would come to your mind. If you're sitting there and your fiancé and you know you've never had sex with her tells you that she's pregnant, the first question would be, who's the guy? And then to hear her say, well, you're not going to believe this, but it's God. I'm not going to believe that. You're absolutely right. (laughs) No, an angel came to me. And that man sat there patiently. And that woman was going to become a very special mother. But just because she was a special mother doesn't mean she didn't cry. She didn't have 
bumps in the road and setbacks in her family and her life. She is a young woman and went 72 miles from Nazareth over to Bethlehem to give birth to her first child. Imagine the pain, the agony, the embarrassment. Joseph, wanting to be a just man, sent her away to her aunt Elizabeth, her uncle Zacharias, the priest. And when she came to the house, her aunt was already six months pregnant with John the Baptist. I always wondered if they were Presbyterians, would he have been John the Presbyterian? But he is John the Baptist. Now look at this. The Bible says that when Mary, with Jesus in her womb, looked at Elizabeth, John leaped in her womb. And that tells us a baby is not only experiencing life inside the womb, a baby experiences God and the Holy Ghost. And for this huge atrocity, over a billion babies around the world, 62 or 3 million in America alone. They were deprived of their rights to know their Creator. Think of Mary. Sometimes we think we have life difficult, and we do. But just think a moment, moms. Just think of this life, just a scriptural life. We learn there's a amazement about being a mother. There are lots of quotes that moms have, don't they? Better watch it. You'll poke your eye out with that stick. We had so many things moms said to us, you know. Hey, you two are going to keep on fighting and kill each other. Go outside. I just cleaned the carpets. You know, all these crazy things. Imagine Humpty Dumpty's mom. Humpty, I told you over and over again, do not sit on that wall. But would you listen? No. Mom's always saying pretty much the same thing because life in closing is found with the help of mom. Luke chapter 2. And then we'll go home. The second chapter of Luke. I'm sure we all know this chapter. It's a wonderful chapter to explain about Jesus to little ones. I'd like you to listen to this for just a moment. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was pregnant. She was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. In the end, interesting how a government edict and taxation brought her to the place that the prophet said the Messiah would be born. Now, there was in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, the angel of the Lord stood before him, and the glory of God shone round about him. They're greatly afraid, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, a heavenly host, praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from the, into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem. And they go and they find Mary. And then they return in verse 20. And after eight days were completed, the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, 
They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written. Here's a godly family. As it is written on the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in the offerings. That's the least you could give. It shows how poor Mary was in Joseph. A couple of birds is all. They can't give a goat. They can't give a ram. They can't give a heifer. They can't give a lamb. They can give two pigeons that aren't worth anything. That's how poor Mary and Joseph were. And yet we see no complaint or desire to get divorced because there's not enough money in the bank with these two. But they are more concerned about God. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just. He is devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of Jesus. Marveled. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. A soul. How often... Moms, your soul has been pierced and damaged and wounded and hurt. Just the Babylonian religion that was floating out there in that part of the world. Nimrod, born of a virgin. That's what Christmas is all about. And Easter holidays and the eggs and the bunnies. Babylonian religion. What a sword to go through her heart to realize that some people would worship the mother more than the child. What a sword to not understand why his bed was every morning made and his room was clean and the other guys were always messy. So difficult to understand. He's different than all the others, but he's something supernatural. Don't know that it all soaked in. And the sword that went through her heart when he's hanging on the cross and looks at John and says, Behold, your mother. Joseph isn't alive. He's not around. Jesus is the oldest son. He's the head of the household. And then he turns and says, Mother, behold your son, your child. The new one, but also this one. When you held him, imagine what went through her mind of that first night of nursing him. And all the things of angels and all the things that were around this supernatural birth to now look up and get the fullness of the blade of that sword to pierce her heart. This is the one. It's going to be for the pulling down and the rising up of many in Israel. This one will be really misunderstood. So moms... You've never had to explain to your husband how you got pregnant before you actually had a honeymoon. You've never had to watch your son be crucified like that. Yes, you've had heartaches. But moms, you're to be honored, not pitied. Honored because of the sacrifices you have made. Moms aren't perfect. Moms don't have all the answers, but mom can call on the perfect one. And moms can 
get perfect answers through the Lord Jesus. So do your best. Commit the rest. We honor you, moms, for all the hard work. And for all the hard work and sacrifices, we have no clue of what you did for your children. And you don't feel you should ever have to tell them. And that you're right. But there shouldn't be any of us that leaves now that would hold anything against mom. Because God says, don't hold something against mom. Don't be bitter with mom. Honor mom. And today, Calvary Chapel Tustin honors all of you mothers. And thank you for who you are, what you have accomplished, what you are accomplishing, and you will accomplish. Because after having a large family like ours, and coming from a fatherless family, I never knew how to be a father, let alone the husband. But when I saw that God said, honor your father and your mother, I knew that I didn't have to ever worry again. I'll just lead the way spiritually, but it's between that kid and God. I'm not going to hold on to their sin or their mistakes or their lack of judgment. I'm going to pray for them. Because children are a heritage of the Lord. And you have been honored to take care of God's heritage. Shall we stand and shall we pray? Dear God, we want to thank you this morning for your love for us. Thank you for the honor to be a parent. Would your hand come upon the hearts of every one of these women and let them sense your honor and your blessings. And Lord, move upon the kids, no matter how old they are today, 90 years old or 9 years old. Let them call and say, I love you, Mom. I hope to see more of you and to be with you. Honor. And that honor, when the home is honored, God blesses a country. But when the home is shattered... The blessings are kept back. Bless these moms. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In leaving, a number of years ago, AT&T did research. They found out that the number one day for uh, telephone calls, long distance, across our country, was Mother's Day. Got more phone calls on Mother's Day than any other day, and I think it still holds true today. But there's an interesting one that counteracts that in a way. The most uh, phone calls on Father's Day, AT&T has the most collect calls on Father's Day. (laughs) Interesting, huh? So moms, be blessed in Jesus' name.